I had a dream last night that I said the word diarrhea four times, <laughs> and my limit is only three, so <laughs> it was kind of a nightmare. Okay, I have my diarrhea counter. <laughs> What's the over-under on diarrhea in this episode? Hey y'all, welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where we remind you through friendship, mentorship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode, number 213, I've invited my friends, Alice and Candice, to talk about adopting special needs. I don't think that God is more proud of adoptive parents. I wish that I could go back and tell Alice back then that all of the good things that are good, God gives out of grace. And all of the difficult things aren't because we did something wrong. But sometimes God leads us through difficult things because He's using them to shape us. I don't know if God made Millie have autism or if that is a result of living in a fallen world. It's something that I question every day. But I do know that the struggles that that she has had more than anything else have shaped our family in a way that I think brings glory to God more than the easy and fun and good things. Whether you've adopted a child or not, whether your child has special needs or not, you are going to feel less alone after listening to this conversation with my good friends, Alice and Candace. They share their stories of adoption, of discovering their children had special needs. Alice talks through domestic and international adoption. What if your husband isn't on board? How do you handle that? We even talk about siblings of children who are adopted and have special needs. And I love our conversation about how God's led Alice and Candace into ministries they wouldn't have even considered if it hadn't have been for the children he has brought into their families. I know it's going to be an encouraging conversation for you, not to mention a little funny. Don't forget our count if you're keeping track with us. All right, before we get to that though, here is a shout out to this month's sponsor, Prep Dish. Are you looking to save some time this school year? I know I am, and let me just clue you in on what I'm using to help me out while I'm helping four boys with their homework. It's called Prep Dish, and it's a subscription meal planning service. So they send me on Friday before the next week a meal plan with a grocery list, with a list of how to prep everything in one afternoon. And so then the evening of or the afternoon of, I can just throw things in the oven or on the stove and I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got the salad and the veggie and the meat and my family's happy and they're eating healthy. My boys tried a pesto salmon last week that they loved. And then this lamb chop, I've never made lamb chops before. It was so easy. And my almost 13 year old ate four of them. (laughs) I mean, y'all, they're going to eat me out of house and home. So I got to save time and money wherever I can. Prep Dish is doing that for me. If you want to try out two weeks for free, go to PrepDish.com forward slash GCM and use the code GCM. They're going to let you try it out for two weeks. I mean, come on, nothing to lose and you're going to eat healthy and you're going to save time. Bonus, bonus, bonus. Go check it out. PrepDish.com forward slash GCM. All right, let's get to my conversation with Alice and Candice. Here we go. <laughs> All right, y'all. In for a treat. This is only our third time. to do this (laughs) because we're fun and I've brought on my real people my friends uh Alice who her oldest son and my son were in baby playgroup together and my friend Candace who joined in on the party when Alice and I started going to Pine Cove and so did her family so welcome gals to the show hey hello hello and since uh there's two of them I'm gonna have them 
each introduce themselves so you can get to know their voice a little bit. So let's start with Candace. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, so I am Candace. I'll say that again. And I'm married to Tim. We've been married for 20 years now. I was a child bride. And we have four <laughs> kiddos. Um, the oldest is 13, then an 11-year-old, 8-year-old, and a 4-year-old who joined our family about two years ago um, through foster care. We adopted through foster care. So we live in the Central Texas area, and um, Tim is a junior high and local outreach pastor here, and I run a nonprofit. Very cool. All right, Alice, introduce your people. Yes, I'm a mom of five. I'm married to Joel. Um, We have Silas, who is 12, Micah, who's 11, Liza is nine, Millie is seven, and Lee is four. We live in the Northwest Arkansas area. And oh, my youngest two are adopted. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what, are, what am I here <laughs> to say? I have? That's right. What are we talking about today? Right. My, my youngest two are adopted. One was a domestic adoption in state. And Lee, my little four-year-old, was adopted from West Africa. Amazing. The two of you are amazing. And I've been so grateful to like pop in once a year on your story as we all gather at family camp. I remember meeting Candace, your son, like when he was still in foster care and you're thinking, Mm -hmm. are we going to get to adopt him or not? Um, I think they couldn't take his picture, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then getting to meet um, your kiddos, Alice and welcoming Lee and all the things Um, Mm -hmm. special to me. I, I wish I could be a part of your everyday, but it's, it's kind of cool to kind of get a glimpse once a year and see how everybody's grown and all that you've learned and over the years. How I would like to know a little bit, we'll do a short version of the adoption stories because I know every one of those stories is so vastly different, having known mm-hmm. so many different people that have adopted. Um, and then even Alice, your two different domestic and mm-hmm. international stories. What yeah. led you to go, Candace, from biological children to choosing to adopt? Um, Well, I didn't go very willingly, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, It wasn't so much the thought, although it should have been probably at the time, I should have been afraid of the process, but I really wasn't afraid of the process. I was more about afraid about having four children because I already thought I was drowning with three. Um, But the Lord, um, it kind of worked on me for a while. I actually actually was adopted myself. I had my biological mother remarried and he adopted me. And then they adopted a six month old the year after I got married. And so through CPS. And so it had been in my family. I'd known a lot about the process or whatever. So I thought, but I was kind of very reluctant at first. Um, Like I said, just the fear of having four kids, the fear everyone has of having a child come into your home, falling in love with them and then them leaving. Um, just not knowing what to expect. But the Lord kind of worked on me over the course of a very long time. Before long, I just found myself kind of just being willing to take the next step kind of in obedience of, okay, I'll go to an interest meeting because I knew they didn't give kids out there or anything. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, uh, I'm sure it, it won't be a fit for us or whatever. And, you know, just from there, it just kind of grew. And by the time we got licensed, it, I was fully on board and like, I, I understand what you're doing and you're not out to destroy me, I don't think, Lord. So that was kind of the process we went through um, getting licensed. But I went to it very reluctantly. My husband was definitely on board, but but not so much me at first. 
Okay, so Alice, I know your story is slightly different. Thank you, Candace, mm-hmm. for sharing. Um, Alice, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Adoption was always part of my story as well. My dad was adopted, and I just grew up thinking, someday, I'm going to adopt kids. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to have any babies, but I know I'm going to adopt some. And when I met Joel, he felt the same way, except he felt pretty sure he wasn't going to have any children, any biological children, which, um, as you know, that that plan changed and we had three biological children before we made plans to adopt. So we began the adoption process when Joel was finishing up residency. And we thought that we were going to do an international adoption because we knew that there were kids overseas who whose parents had died or we didn't really know what their situation was. That's just kind of what we assumed was that we would be adopting um, a true orphan. And at the time of our home study, our caseworker said, you know, we have several moms in Arkansas who are expecting they're African-American and there are no families in your area or even in the whole state that are open to a child of any race. Would you consider switching to a domestic adoption? So that took us all of, I don't know, one hour to talk about and decide that, of course, we would switch to a domestic adoption. So we went through a failed adoption first before we ended up bringing home Millie. (laughs) We got a week's notice before she came home, which is, I'm sure, more than Candace had when... (laughs) Two and a half hours. Two and a half half hours. hours. (laughs) I had a feeling. (laughs) Um, But it was it was this really beautiful moment of hearing this mom read your profile and she, she thinks that you're the right family to parent her child. And so how long, so you have Millie and did you get, did she come to your house at birth? Yes. We drove to Little Rock to pick her up from the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so she came home with us directly from the hospital. And then she's home how long before you start the process of looking into international adoption again? Uh, Well, we always, I guess our family policy has been the newest kid needs to be in the family about a year, which was um, not the case when we had two babies 16 months apart, but that's kind of (laughs) But there's a goal here. Like, we have a plan. There's a goal. You need to write that thing down. And then we can talk about who's coming next. (laughs) So Millie was about one when we decided we wanted to adopt again. And so we kind of started the same thought process. Do we want to do an international adoption or do we want to do a domestic adoption? And this time we started with our caseworker and said, are there any immediate needs in the state? Because we'll just start out doing a domestic adoption if that's the case. And she said, no, actually, no, we have lots of families waiting for our children of any race. You should do whatever your heart leads you to do. And so we prayed pretty intensely for a couple of weeks. And God put a child on my heart that um, he didn't put on Joel's heart. And so there was some discord, but we asked God to clarify which one of us was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I won't tell you which, which one of us it was, but um, it wasn't me. And um, (laughs) we started the national adoption process to bring home a child that we thought would be living with HIV. Mm. So from the very beginning, we knew that 
we really wanted to have someone live with us that was living on the margins, but we didn't know who that would be. And then do you want me to go into Lee's adoption story? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you the short version because the long version is approximately four years. (laughs) (laughs) We have less than that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Less than four years. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll condense as best as I can. After two years of waiting, which was unexpected, after two years, we received a referral for a little guy who we were told did not have HIV, but his medical file was so incomplete that they were struggling to be able to offer his referral to anybody else. And they offered it to us because they knew that Joel was a doctor and we were open to various medical issues, um, including this you know, potentially complicated one of, of the chronic illness. We looked at his referral, were overcome by his size. He was pretty malnourished, and we didn't know why a child of 16 months couldn't do anything beyond like what a three-month-old infant would do. Mm. By the time we got to meet him, which was about six or seven months later when we went to court um, in his birth country, we met him and we knew that um, there was something wrong, but we couldn't quite figure out what it was. And we knew that he was afraid and he was afraid of us. It was a really interesting and weird trip. It felt like we were babysitting this child that we knew nothing about. Hmm. We didn't know how to feed. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't do anything for himself. We just kept on saying yes. And over the next year, we would fight tooth and nail to bring him home as adoption laws changed in his country. That moment when we heard he's getting a visa, he's coming home, we just we wept with joy because we felt like God had really done a miracle to bring him home. He had set aside governments to make it happen. And so he has been home with us about a little over two years now. And so full of joy. <laughs> we had no idea. Mm. That trip. We had no idea because he was so afraid and we knew that he would be afraid. We weren't expecting for him to, you know, run up and hug us and kiss us and say, thank you, mommy and daddy. I can't wait to come (laughs) with you. Right. Um, We knew not to expect any of that. That first trip was pretty much what we expected. And so was the second, but it wasn't until maybe three weeks after he came home that he started giggling. And then that giggle turned on it, it turned into a laugh, and then that laugh has just turned into this really winsome personality that is it's just joyous. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's a joy that I have never seen in a human being before. It's a little addictive to, like, get Lee to laugh and smile. Like, you're kind of <laughs> – like, he's a magnet. Like, you're just drawn yeah. to him. So beautiful. And every story different, even within a family. Y'all have – in the process of getting to know these babies, these domestic adoptions that were they were given to you, toddlers and baby, um, as they've developed, some things came to the surface that maybe you weren't surprised. Do you think y'all were surprised to discover, um, Candace? Were you surprised to discover the special needs that kind of showed up over time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he came to us at a week old. Um, Mm. which was another thing that, um, kind of made me nauseous and feel like I was going to have diarrhea. (laughs) I, um, 
there we go. One. I told you there's one. One. Um, I uh, did not want an infant. Like I put that on my paper. I, oh, really? I don't, I don't want an infant. And then here comes this, you know, we had had other kids in our home, but here comes this one week old baby. And I just thought. And you had two and a half hours to get ready for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And when you get a one week old, you don't know who they'll be or what will happen or, or any of that. And so time went on and we began to see signs of different things. Um, it, it was a, a shock, not an awful shock, like, oh, you know, but it was definitely like, oh, Lord, goodness. You know, I said yes to an infant and a fourth child and now a special need. You know, it just felt like a lot. What were some of the first things that you started noticing and places you went to get, you know, help and diagnoses mm-hmm. for the mom who she may be in a similar place? Yeah. So one of the first things, you know, I probably would have thought all my kids were, he's, he's been diagnosed with autism and, um, I would have thought all my kids probably had it <laughs> from what we had learned through so many of our classes. They teach you so much, so many things to look for. And I'm sure, you know, all kids do some types of these or whatever, but I started, started first. The first thing I noticed was he had an unusual fascination with like, he would run his fingernails along the couch or he would rub things in a different way. He seemed mm. very interested in different, you know, kind sensory, of sensory, yeah. like proprioceptive touch and things like that. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then from there we had him in ECI when he was still in care because he was severely speech delayed. And so those two things were probably the first things I noticed the severe speech delay and and then the um, sensory issues that he had were, were my first kind of clues. And then, so like I said, he was an ECI um, in the beginning and we had a therapist coming to our home. And then once the adoption was complete, he wasn't quite three yet. And so um, I thought, well, you know, what should we do? And I, I found out that we could apply through our school district to have speech classes once he turned three. And so we did that. And his therapist used to be a diagnostician. And I had told her some of the things and just said, please let me know. I'm the type like I want to know. And I knew with any anything like this, early intervention is the best. And so I wanted to start, you know, right away. I didn't want to bury my head in the sand over something I kind of knew in, in myself that was going on, even though it was hard to face. So after a couple of months working with him, she said, yeah, I think we should have him tested for some things. And so I did. He qualified to go to an elementary campus that they turned into just a preschool where they house special needs. And so he's in a PPCD program. Um, that's preschool program for children with disabilities. And then we just got the official diagnosis this past year of autism. That's where we are. It's a lot. Yeah. It's funny looking back, you know, because like I was saying, you get this baby infant into your home and you, you think, oh, the Lord's asking so much of me, you know, especially with the place I was in. Like, I don't want another baby. I don't want to potty trade again. I don't want to, you know, all these things you have to kind of go through again. I'm just not a great baby person. I, I've hit my stride at middle school, I've decided. I'm <laughs> loving middle school. Um, but a baby, and so if I had known at that time, not only are you getting an infant <laughs> that you will have to walk through the course of two years, kind of not knowing if he'll stay or go, fall in love with him, you know, all that that would bring, but also that, oh, he's going to have some special needs also. Like if I had known that ahead of time, I probably would have said no. Mm-hmm. And it just it was such like a punch when I was thinking about that a few months back, like I would have missed all of this had mm-hmm. I known, had mm-hmm. I been given too much information. And so I'm just so thankful that God, you know, doesn't let you be privy to a lot of things that you otherwise would try to keep yourself from and you would miss out from ultimately. And it's probably hard for the mom listening to think, well, why, why would you still do it? 
It sounds really hard. What are the, what are the benefits? What good have you seen? There's been so many in our family. Of course, I mean, not to overshadow the hard days. I mean, the, the, it's the intensity of it is so, the joys are so much higher and the lows are so much lower. And then you kind of live in the, one of those two a lot of times. But one of the things I was most afraid of kind of starting the process is what is this going to look like for my biological children, my kids who are already in the home and, you know, just the whole process of wondering if they'll stay, stay or go. And because we had had a little guy come with, stay with us for just a short amount of time and my kids were wrecked, you know, it was really, really hard. And I just thought, you know, here we've had this little guy for almost two years and what's going to happen if he leaves. And so walking through all that, but then now with this special needs issue and all, it has been amazing to see not only what he did in the kids through that whole process of learning, you know, about the fostering thing, but also what he's done in them as far as opening their eyes to others in our community and just people in general who may not be like them, may not look like them, you know, reaching out to them more. He's just done a lot of neat things through our oldest in particular, his kind of thought, maybe this is a field I want to go into eventually. So it's been really neat to see him do work in them to say, um, you know, a situation that they never probably, they would have seen a kid in a wheelchair. They would have seen the kids, you know, struggling with their mom or whatever and thought, oh, that's awful or that's no, you know, their mindsets have just been changed on what special needs is, what it looks like, what they can, how they can be a part of it. And so that's been really neat. And and it's just been neat to see more on the fostering side of just kind of being having a front row seat to making something that's just kind of crooked, more straight, like being used by God in that way to, to be his hands and feet to these kids in the system. So um, those have been really neat things that we've seen. Very cool. I think that's so true. Each of our, we're trying to protect our other kids from hard things, but it's the hard things that make them the amazing people, right? right. You know, yes. a marshmallow bubble wrapped environment doesn't really make for the sweetest, <laughs> kindest, most right. compassionate child. So Alice, you had mentioned that Lee, you knew he would have a lot of medical issues and then mm-hmm. the surprise of his winsome personality with Millie, you get her, and she's this new baby, same as Candace. Um, yeah. Just uh, babies are just cute, right? They're cute, and right near the beginning, like the, some Meh. of them don't even cry. I don't know. <laughs> Candace, <laughs> they have a lot of diarrhea. All right, there's two <laughs> diarrhea. Candace, um, not a baby person. That's what we're gonna put. Uh, so for you, Alice. Like, and this is your first adoption experience personally. Yeah. How did that progress for y'all to discover some of the special needs that Millie has? Yeah, well, I am a baby person. And so when I found out that we would be adopting a newborn, I was just absolutely thrilled. And then we brought her home and everything went as life with newborns does. I don't know when we first started to notice it, but she is also on the autism spectrum. She's very high functioning. It took us close to four years before we recognized it. And this is day in and day out of, you know, this isn't a child that came to us at an older age that we're trying to figure out. This is a person that we've had from the very first day. But the first thing that I noticed was that she never really had a clear social smile. Uh, She had to really think something was funny before she would smile. But autism was never on my list of possibilities because I could get her to smile and she always made eye contact, even if many times it was to glare at me. (laughs) (laughs) 
but we began to notice pretty early on that she had some sensory issues. And our response was, this isn't a big deal. Lots of children who were adopted have sensory issues. So we're going to do what we can at home and this is going to pass. And then around three years old, about the time that, you know, some two-year-olds are phasing out of tantrums, um, her tantrums were actually getting worse. And then I began to recognize them as like, okay, these really aren't two-year-old tantrums. These are full-on meltdowns. Mm -hmm. And as the meltdowns continued with more frequency and duration and intensity, we began to seek help. Um, I remember taking her to her pediatrician and saying, one of us is going to the psych ER. Uh, you're going to pick which one or you're going to do something. Yeah. yeah. He said, you know, I, I think I see what you're saying now. Um, why, don't we, why don't we see if we can address this with some OT and why don't you go home and take a nap? Uh, yes. And so I took her home and called this OT and said, my pediatrician sending you a referral, please, can we get in as soon as possible? And so that was kind of the beginning of beginning to recognize that her sensory issues were more than just adoption-related struggles. And so she still attends therapy twice a week. She has graduated out of one of those days, and she's doing great. She had a really great spring she needs a highly consistent schedule, very predictable routine, which has pretty much um, changed all of our lives. If you can imagine having a large family, having five kids and saying, this is the routine that we stick to all because of one. Mm-hmm. That's been difficult for older kids. Mm-hmm. Lee doesn't know the difference. He's happy to do what everybody else is doing. But my older kids really had to change some things in their lives. But it's been good for them. They've grown out of this consistency and regularity. And so we've seen things because of changing our lives for her. We've all grown because of it. Was that, are you more of the kind of mom who you crave the consistency too, or was that a stretch for you to be routined and more structured? Heather, I honestly cannot remember what my life was like. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I hope she doesn't ask from a long time ago because I don't oh, remember. No, I really – well, because I had three very small children when Millie came home. So we had nap time every day. That was a consistent. And, you know, we ate lots of meals every day. But I don't know that um, having to have the, the rigidity and the structure. I don't think that we had that before. Because I remember like when we were young moms together, you just seemed more laid back and like go with the flow than a type A type mom. Yeah. And I don't know if I seem type A now, but it's not my natural bent. Yeah. It takes, it's effort for everyone to adjust to. But but I know what it it costs us if we, if we don't, it costs everyone. So Candace, I was, I was thinking about something that you said, um, and something that I've really identified (laughs) with. And so I, I'm guessing that there are other moms out there who think this and maybe they've adopted, maybe they've gone through other experiences where they've said yes to something that God put in front of them. And when you say yes to God, I don't know if you guys do this, but you know, I, I thought we were doing God a pretty big favor (laughs) when we decided to Uh adopt. (laughs) I had on the back and I said, God must really love that we did this. He must be really proud of us. 
<laughs> I can't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> and then what? Do part. you think he is? Like, is he more oh. proud of the adoptive parents out there? That's a good question. Because no, sometimes that's know. the message. <laughs> no. I don't think that God is more proud of adoptive parents. I wish that I could go back and tell Alice back then that all of the good things that are good, God gives out of grace. Mm -hmm. And all of the difficult things aren't because we did something wrong. But sometimes God leads us through difficult things because he's using them to shape us. I don't know if God made Millie have autism or if that is a result of living in a fallen world. It's something that I question every day, right? But I do know that the struggles that she've had, that she has had more than anything else have shaped our family in a way that I think brings glory to God more than the easy and fun and good things. Well, there's so much rejoicing when we see the growth. I mean, I could tear up thinking of her on stage at the talent show. Oh my God. Yeah. And not just, not just that she got up there and sang. The beauty that she that she had Joel behind her with his arms wrapped around her mm-hmm. and your oldest son right next to her. And it was the three of them and giving her the confidence. And then she sings out praise to Jesus. Like, are you yeah. kidding me with this, yeah. God? Yeah. Like, but if, <laughs> yeah, she, but, if yeah. but there were other little girls that got up there and did it and it was cute. But when yeah. we know the struggle, when we know all that it takes and that she is looking to her family for mm-hmm. the the you know backup and the yeah. courage to do the thing that she was made to do it's just so beautiful it was so beautiful yeah well so and she- it was an amazing picture too that she has uh, really struggled in the last year with her attachment with Joel mm. and so i don't know why she called Joel and why she called Silas up on stage but she did and it really was a testimony to the goodness of god you mean when she anything. struggles attachment, you mean too attached to Joel? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So mm. attach, a healthy attachment has been a struggle for us, I think, because of where she is on the autism spectrum. Mm. Mm. Does and that make sense? Yeah. And to see, I didn't know if you were saying she was overly attached to him and so, so, but to no, see no, that beautiful, me. yeah, yeah. I was surprised. I, I didn't know what was going to happen when she said, I'm going to sing a song that I wrote in the talent show. <laughs> I said, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> talent show is always special, y'all. Pine Cove talent show. You just don't know. You just don't know. And, and Alice's kids always bring the best. Oh, every year. Every year. I'm going to jump in here because this kind of community, what Alice and Candace and I are experiencing That's what I want to celebrate at the upcoming Don't Mom Alone live event. You are invited. Bring your people that you experience this with, or if you're missing out on it, come and we will connect you with that kind of community. I want you to be there. It's here in Dallas, September 28th and 29th. You are welcome to come to Friday night, Saturday afternoon, or both. But get your ticket over at godcentermom.com forward slash live and Tag me on Instagram or Facebook and let me know you're coming. I cannot wait. There is something about being in a room with people, taking our earbuds out and being together. It's like when you go to a concert and there's that pulsating energy of being a part of something, that shared experience. I want that with you. I don't want you to miss out. 
Remember, you can buy an entire table if you have a small group or a, a podcast club that you want to bring. Or you can come to the meet and greet, and I can hang out with you before the event gets started. Jim and Lynn Jackson are coming. They are super pumped to be with you from Connected Families. Bruce is excited. We're going to celebrate five years of the podcast, y'all. Don't miss it. Go to GodCenterMom.com forward slash live. Get your tickets. I'll see you there. Something I you said, Alice, that I've been thinking a lot about, something you said reminded me of, um, and we talked a lot about it at camp, actually, again, but how he, and we, you know, something you grow up hearing all the time, but when you see it played out right in front of you, is that he uses everything we know for his glory, which, you know, understand, but he uses everything for our good, too. And it, it's so hard to sit in that place when everything around you doesn't look good, but it's brought a lot of comfort um, especially on the hard days to think this, even this, even this child I'm having to drag from under a parked car in a hundred degree heat in the middle of Target while people stare at me, this somehow is being used for my good and for his good and maybe others around. And um, that lesson has been huge to me lately as we navigate, you know, meltdowns and and different things that, that are going on is like, Okay, now now that you know there's a purpose, a double purpose even, his glory and my good, um, it it settles you a little bit more. Yeah. Sometimes, not always. <laughs> but but when you when you, you know, keep that in mind or maybe not in the moment. Mind, maybe not in the moment right, of dragging afterwards. The kid out. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But afterwards you're like, Lord, seriously, you know, I'm having those conversations, you know, yelling at him. But then later, oh yeah, you told me this would be used for my good. Like Maybe, and maybe I won't ever see how necessarily, but just to know right. that he's designed it that way um, is encouraging. Well, let's talk about some of the good that I have seen in y'all and some of the ways that you all are helping your communities. Um, you each are now entering new territory because <laughs> of these hard things. Because yeah. Farmer of your... Alice. Farmer right. Alice. Alice. Right. <laughs> Alice, you want to tell us about, since she referenced you, Farmer Alice? Yeah. What is God kind of calling your family to next? Okay. Well, it's with a lot of humility and I don't want to say fear. I, I guess I feel nervous talking about this because we're so early in this process. But we feel like the direction that God has called our family is to take some things that we know have been helpful for our for Millie and for me to connect, which is horses. So we're going to take these horses. We're going to take a little bit of farming. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to mix it all together and we're going to make a farm. (laughs) But not just any farm. Not just any farm. So we want to provide equine assisted therapies physical uh, therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and counseling using horses in our little corner of Northwest Arkansas. That's our short-term goal. Our long-term goal that I feel really, really excited about, especially today, is that we want to provide job training and job opportunities for people with disabilities. As we consider the future that we want Lee to have, we, we know that he won't live independently. We want to be a part of creating the community that he's going to live in. And that's a community that embraces people with disability and includes them as valuable members. So we know, for example, that Lee really, really loves water. Water in all its forms, except for snow and ice. He, he, <laughs> Amen, Lee. Well, I guess because he's from Africa. But 
I think that he could be really great at testing sprinkler, right? What we want to do is provide as much training as he's growing and interacting with other people. We want to teach him how to repair pumps, set up watering systems, whatever it is that we can do on our farm so that he can go to other area farms because we're in a we're in a sort of rural area and he can join up and be a valued member of a community by having a skill to offer. Looking at his interests and creating an outlet for those. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Love it. And then whatever else comes comes of it. You're opening yourselves up to here's our desire, God, but point us, keep pointing. Cause I see people, they take that first little step and then this other thing shows up. Yeah. But the heart behind it is this beautiful desire for adults, yeah. children with special needs and disabilities to have a place and not just, not just a space, but like an actual position of importance in a community. Right. They have, they have really great stuff to offer, but they've got to be included. We have to be a people that welcomes them and says, you are capable. You do things differently than I do, but you are capable of, of being a part of our work. Mm. So beautiful. Okay, so Candice, what is the good that God's kind of led you to from the hard places? Um, well, not long after we finalized the adoption with our little guy, we closed our home because we thought his mom was pregnant and we would get a call about that baby. So we closed for a while, but we knew from being in the system and all we had kind of seen and learned that we couldn't just kind of be like, okay, well, we're done. We'll just sit and wait. But I knew that I had very little energy because I don't know if y'all remember it, but he was a newborn. <laughs> um, and then there was these three other crazy kids, um, you know, not a lot of any kind of resource, time, money, energy, nothing. And so I was just praying one day and said, Lord, I, you know, I feel like I can't just be done here. So what should I do? And so CASA had been kind of on my radar for a while. So I got trained to be a CASA advocate and still felt like, eh, you know, what, what else, you know, what else might there be, Lord? And I remembered a little guy we had had in our home who came with all of his stuff in a trash bag, like this little small kitchen trash bag. And at the time, I didn't know that that's how most foster kids traveled. They either come to you with absolutely nothing or all their stuff is kind of dumped into a trash bag. And I thought, well, you know, if that that's something my friends knew about. That's something, you know, we might be able to do a project for. This is how it was starting, you know. So I put together a bag project, made this little group on Facebook, did not have any kind of vision for it or where it would go. So we, we got together, made a, about 120 of these bags, but I didn't know where to give them to. Long story short, I ended up meeting um, a caseworker at CPS and began hearing about all of the other needs and kind of things in our community that I had, even from being in the system, like two and a half years, had no idea about. And I thought, gosh, these are things that people in our community should know about, that we can do something like real physical help. Um, and so I created this group on Facebook called Foster Love Bell County. And for a while, we um, just chugged along kind of doing projects and different things, got to know the judge here in our area, and he was kind of giving us insight on things. And before long, it was just kind of morphing into more than than I could manage. So I thought, Lord, what do I do now? I, you know, I'm, I had no special skill, no special anything. And it kind of reminded me a lot of what we talked about this summer at camp, like who God uses to do things. They're usually the screw-ups, the, the spazzes in my case, the... <laughs> 
unskilled, <laughs> you know, all these things. And I thought that that's me. And he was like, no, this is what I want you to do. And I still didn't really kind of like you, Alice. I don't, I don't even know really what you're asking of me, but mm-hmm. I'll just keep doing the next thing. And so fast forward um, now we have been a nonprofit for the last year um, and we're doing a ton of different things in the community. Our, our main goal is to raise awareness and mobilize the community to care for um, those children and families in the foster care system. So that that kind of covers what we're doing. But it, it's something I never would have expected to be doing. Um, most days I'm like, I, I don't know what I, I literally don't know what I'm doing. But he has just been really gracious to just provide like our county ad litem who I'd never met. He wasn't our ad litem with our case or anything, but he's the head ad litem in Bell County called and said, um, hey, I've heard you've got this group on Facebook. Um, You know, are you looking to get to put together any kind of this is right around the time I was praying. What do I do next? Um, Are you looking together to put together any kind of board or anything, you know, kind of make this more official? Because I would like to serve on that. (laughs) And um, he's God has just kind of done things like that the whole entire way when I just get to a point like. How are we going to pull that off? I have no idea. I've learned to settle in a little bit easier because he'll provide somehow. Um, and he definitely is the one getting all the glory and doing it. Because like I said, I, I don't, I'm not in a place to really pull any of this off. Well, so. as clueless as I am, I don't even know what you said he was and add something. I don't even <laughs> know. <laughs> I have a question for Candace. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, Candace, when you met the judge, were you nervous? That you well, might get a that you might get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know, Alice? Well, I'm I just didn't, curious <laughs> if that crossed your mind at all. Um, you know, I I'm more scared of his bailiff. Um, I've been kicked out of that <laughs> I guess court that's twice. The person who would put you in jail? <laughs> Correct. And he he has kicked me out of that courtroom twice. <gasps> but that's another story for wait, another day. Wait, wait, there. what? <laughs> <laughs> Related to adoption or unrelated? Well, one, I was, <laughs> what, this is a tangent. And this is fine. important. Fine. This is really important. Um, he, He's helping Candace not sound like a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> That's Listen, great. I've got the bun and everything going today. Um, I didn't know you weren't supposed to talk the first time. And he's very, this man is very large and very intimidating. And he definitely did get all up in my face and scream at me in front of the whole courtroom. Then the other time, I really wasn't promised, I promised I wasn't talking and he thought I was and kicked me out. So wow. but it's nothing too great. But the judge actually goes to our church and I had known or he knows of Tim. So he actually ended up recusing himself all, off of our case because he knew us. But um, no, I wasn't too fearful. There That's would be good. other other judges I would meet that I would be scared of that, but not this one. Okay. But what was yeah. the ad lib thing that you said? Ad, sorry, ad litem. So basically um, it's so have you heard of CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocate? Yes. Um, that's what that stands for. So basically, CASAs are volunteers, but ad litems do that and they're paid. Mm. So they get they get assigned cases um, and then ones that they can't handle. Like we have three, three or four paid ad litems in Bell County. And then any cases they can't handle because there's so many of them, CASAs take them. They just usually have one case, whereas a lite- ad litem has like, I don't know, 50 or something like that. So they're they're there to represent the child in their best interest. I feel very removed from knowing anything about the fostering system. Hey, Heather, we can hook you up. <laughs> so here's a good thing to bring up, though, because after we had three kids, so you each, I'm noticing the parallels, you each had three kids and then adopted. 
I, we had three kids, and I really wanted to adopt our fourth. And it was not an agreed upon thing. And we didn't do your wise prayer, Alice, of saying, God, show us who's wrong. (laughs) But that's true, I think, for a lot of families. There's not consensus between the husband and wife. Whether the husband, I know husbands that want to adopt and the wife's like, heck no. Or the wife's like, I'm really feeling God calling us. Feeling God told me. And he's like, he didn't tell me. So um, y'all both seem like your, your coupleness was on board except for the one situation where God, you know, worked, but, um, told, told Joel he was wrong. He told yeah. Joel yeah. he was wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but what advice do you have for that mom? Who's like, Oh, I really want this. Uh, Alice want to answer or Candace? Yeah, go Alice. You, okay. Alice. Um, well, my advice is God is going to find a way to complete his work. Sometimes we have the privilege of being involved in it and, if it is right for your family to adopt, then you can trust God to speak to your husband. That may not be through you. You can pray that God puts other people in his life. You can have a fight. I mean, there are lots of ways to <laughs> communicate. <laughs> I've tried many of them, including fighting. But I will tell you that fighting was the least effective one. And when I took a big step back and said, if this is right, then God, will you put us on the same page? Mm-hmm. And Joel honestly prayed, is this the child that you want us to adopt? God made it very clear to him. And he will um, happily share that story about how God changed his mind. But it wasn't kind of like, yeah, I guess I'm okay with that. It was a resounding, yes, start this process, pursue this child living with HIV. But then remember, Lee didn't have HIV. Yeah, yeah. It was like he had to surrender that. Exactly. And can I say too, I think a part that I left out that's kind of an important part of the story is when we began Lee's adoption process, again, not knowing we were adopting Lee, we had plans to go overseas. We were going to be missionaries. And that was the whole reason that Joel went to medical school. When we said yes to adopting a child with HIV, it was the possibility of completely changing everything that we had worked for. And so it was a really big ask to say, Joel, I think this is the person we're supposed to adopt. And so when he prayed, is this the person we're supposed to adopt? And God said, yes, we actually went through a time of grieving Mm -hmm. uh, because we thought that our future was drastically changing. And it did drastically change. Mm -hmm. But here's where we are now. This is now our mission field. And we love being where we are. And so back to your question, like, what, what can this mom do? You can pray and you can trust that God cares about your family and that God cares about these kids. He's going to make a way in his own time. And I think there's this thing that, like we said, we feel like we're doing some really great thing for God. There's a little bit that God will do in our own hearts. Like the super Christian is adopting. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to miss out on being a super Christian and getting all God's favor. Yeah, I think even the super Christian does missions overseas, right? That's We yeah. do these rankings. And so for, I know y'all, that was your heart, both of you, to surrender that and for God to say, I've got good stuff still. Your, your, your obedience the to best, me. The your, best stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. faithfulness is to me is what I'm asking for. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, like Noah, it could be building an ark for 100 years. It could be, you know, it's not like it always makes sense what he's calling us to do. 
but we're yeah, each playing and, a role. And I, Candace, are you a super Christian? Well, you know me, so you know the answer <laughs> yeah. to that. I, yes. I mean, I'm not a super Christian. I'm a regular person. Yeah. I yeah. put my, can I, can I say bra on this show? <laughs> Just don't tell I the size. I on one boob at a time like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. You might want to take that out. Better. No, no, please leave that. Keeping it. <laughs> Diary and boobs. That can be the, <laughs> the, That's the, title. the tagline. Official yeah. title of the episode. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely think that there is this subtle belief that that that's that I'm trying to call out that we have to let go of that and trust that he has plans for us that he's already prepared and to walk in them. Yeah. Yes. That was one of the things I would say too about the the couple who one of them wants to one of them doesn't. Um you know we I talk to people all the time and that's the situation, you know, one or the other does or doesn't and I'm always like he <laughs> this is one of those things I have found he doesn't bring you to on your own, like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to do that. Like, if, if you're at that point, you don't really know anything about it yet. And once you do, <laughs> you might just be like, okay, um, then never mind. Um, but if you know about this and you know what it entails, and, and that's the first thing we always say is to start with is like, start learning about trauma. Start asking people who've been through this, like learn the, what you can about this because it's it's not a picnic. It's not an easy, you know, sweet, cuddly rainbow everywhere. And um, so, if they're not on the same page, um, just everything Alice said, yes, um, he, he will bring them there and he will do, you know, what he wants with it because you didn't come up with this idea on your own. And, um, so he will, he will work there for sure, but it is very important to be on the same page before starting. Um, it can't just be a, well, okay, we'll do, you know, because it's so, one thing we haven't talked about, it's so tough on marriage. Yeah. Um, so it's not something you want to enter into just with kind of one half heart on, on one side. So on the hard days or through this season, yeah, we can see how God brings good out of it. But there are probably days where you think the thing, man, if I could, like, what did you say, Candace? Someone has told you if this yeah, child I had could be. Yeah, I had a friend tell me recently, she was talking with a woman and, and they said, um, you know, if this this child who I think that it was even adopted already, um, could just be kidnapped. I don't want them to be harmed, but if they could just be kidnapped and we could never find them, I think I could be happy. Like that's, that's the reality and the, the depth of hardness that some of these, you know, families are going through. So it's definitely not something to, not that that happens all the time or, but it's more common than you'd think. I mean, there's people dealing with situations that are just so traumatic and, just feel so constant and sap you in every way that you just think, I, I cannot do this anymore. How can I relieve my, you know, how can I get out of this? A lot of times you get to that point. What has helped y'all keep going when you're, you get to those points? Candice, what, what have been some things that either other people have done so that someone who's listening who has a friend who's in that situation, they could help or just to encourage someone who needs it to ask for? Yeah, um, we're in a lot of people would probably say family or, or whatever that could step in. We don't we are in a situation we don't have any family near us. Um, so that was another kind of daunting thing at the beginning of the process, just thinking, oh, you know, we don't really have anybody to fall back on or or come into our lives like that. But God has kind of provided people like that. Um, one of them is actually a Pine Cove or former Pine Cove counselor, who, um, Percy, mm-hmm. who's just kind of been so consistent in reaching out to us. How can I help? Do you need a, a night off? Do you, How can I? 
what can I do to alleviate some of the stress? And so people like that, people like her who've come into our life, you know, and other friends that I've had for years just saying, I see you, I see what you're going through. That That's kind of the biggest thing because you just get to feel so lonely. Like, like nobody can really understand these days. Like, did I really just have to clean up? I won't say diarrhea. I'll just say poop. <laughs> did I really just have to scrub poop off the wall <laughs> again? Like, you know, some of these things you're just thinking, I cannot believe at this point in my life, I'm still having to do or, you know, having to do it all. And so just being seen and um, heard people who really just will listen when you really just want to just vent those, those things have been really helpful for me. And I'm, I'm really grateful for my husband too, um, who, like I said, was way more on board with any of this than I was to begin with. But um, it's just having that partnership of someone you can just be like, I'm tagging out, (laughs) like it's all you right now um, has just been been really great for me. And then just the sweetness of the Lord through those things and just his word and um, really podcasts, not to give you such a plug here, but I will just listening to podcasts when, you know, you think if I read anything, I'm just going to fall asleep right now. Or um, just having that on in the car, you know, different ways he's, he's spoken to me through that have been, been helpful. We didn't say you listen to my podcast. So. I do. Sorry. sorry. Okay. That's like the I mean, you're just I like, listen <laughs> I listen to like serial or some other mystery <laughs> podcast and it helps me. Okay, Alice, what do you have? What helps you on those hard days or weeks or months? I think having friends that don't go away mm. when I can't show up because I'm, I'm just elbow deep in children that need me. Having someone that looks out for my biological kids has been really big. We have some really sweet people at our church that have started investing in them. They'll come pick up Liza. There's the sweet lady that will come pick up Liza and take her out for ice cream and talk to her about spiritual things. I mean, it's mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. Not discounting our family as part of the larger body of Christ because we can't come to all the events because there's too much noise or there's not enough structure or there's, I don't know, too many foods with food dyes. That's a bad example. (laughs) (laughs) Not giving up on us and remembering that my older kids, the siblings of special needs kids are often overlooked and their needs, they, they sometimes feel like, they're lower than their siblings with disabilities because those kids get their needs met, right? Mm. They demand that they have their needs met many times. But my older children, oh, they, there are times that they just long for attention and I am not able to give it to them because I'm driving to therapy or I'm driving to therapy and I'm driving to therapy again. <laughs> And then then back home from therapy. And then back home from therapy. And then back because I I forgot a child therapy. (laughs) I wish that was a joke, but that's happened. Uh, Um, Mm -hmm. But you have a plan for the fall to be homeschooling the two oldest or? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yes. My, I'm homeschooling the oldest boys. Now the girls are going to a a charter school, which is actually two towns away from us. (laughs) And then Lee has started at um, a preschool for kids with disabilities. And I can now focus on discipleship for my older boys. You know, I see that my time with them is, it's not about to end, but I can see 
I can see that coming to a close on the horizon and I just don't want to miss out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've given up a lot of time with them. I don't know. I'm hoping to, um, to make the most of this coming fall with having just them at home. So good. And do you, don't you have a respite program that y'all go to Alice? Oh, actually we volunteer. Okay. Even though we would qualify to be one of the families um, that receives respite. And, And from time to time we do. Yes. We are part of something called recess and this is an initiative of 99 balloons. And you guys can look that up. This is a um, fantastic organization that is working to change the story of disability. So recess happens the third Friday of every month at our site and parents drop off all of their kids, their children with special needs and their siblings. And we have a big party and the kids with special needs are paired with um, a one-to-one buddy. So there's an adult that is just there to make sure that they have what they need and to play with them. And um, we try to do the same for the siblings too, because their needs often go overlooked. We like to have someone that's there, like there's a volunteer that just talks to my boys about video games (laughs) and his name, his name for the fall. Sometimes it changes, but Robbie is going to be um, with my boys this fall when we volunteer at recess and he's going to get to just talk to them about something that, you know, makes me grind my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. And I, and I know, I mean, I've heard of programs here in Dallas. Um, I don't know if they were a 99 balloons thing, but some churches that offer respite care, I think it's so valuable that we can't do this alone. Don't mom alone, right? Don't adopt alone. Don't parent children with special needs alone. Um, We need each other. And I know that, the mom who's listening is is feeling less alone in whatever she's doing, whether she adopted the child she has or didn't. Um, it's just an encouragement to hear y'all how you've reached out, how you've seen the good and the hard things, and how um, I don't know. I just I just love how you've relied on God and even in your weakest points uh, turned to Him and given Him glory and all that He's doing in your family. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Heather. I hope you've enjoyed meeting some of my friends. I've enjoyed doing these little not alone episodes. That's what I'm kind of calling them with friends. I've done one with friends of mine that work in the corporate world and then friends of mine that have young kids on discipline and toddlers and then this episode. And if you're looking for experts, I bring on experts too. But I, I know that I enjoy sharing with you my real life friends, because that's one of the keys to remembering that you don't mom alone. And for you to know that you're not alone, that their stories can resonate with your stories. Now, I did want to highlight one more time. Last week's episode with Paul David Tripp was very well received again. And I don't want you to miss getting a hold of his streaming event that he did in early August. You can get access to that streaming event up until the end of November. So don't miss that. That would be great fall material for a small group. Go to godcentermom.com forward slash parenting and you can check out all the details on that, the different sessions that he taught and the topics that he covered. If you're looking for some extra material, they give you discussion questions. It's really great. The Hub does a great job of presenting that material and making it really accessible. I used another one of Paul's uh, events that the faith playbook I used for some boys this past summer. And it was just 
easy for me to lead that group and to show the videos and to lead the discussion. So go check it out over at godcenteredmom.com forward slash parenting if you are looking for some more help from Paul David Tripp. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening in. Next week, I'm going to have Jackie Hill Perry on the show talking about her journey of uh, same-sex attraction. So there's something that we haven't talked about on the show yet. Join me for that next week. All right, y'all have a great start to the school year. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.